Thank you very much for reading, Neville. <clears throat> Just a reminder, um, there is a question box at the back, so if you have any questions of anything that we've looked at um, in John's Gospel or further afield, um, do pop them in there. <clears throat> but I want to introduce you to um, somebody on the screen. He's called um, David Foster Wallace. He is a, was, he was a professor of English at Pomona College. Um, he also wrote novels, and his novels won prizes. He was said to be one of the most influential writers of our last 50 years. Um, he gave a speech in 2005, um, a speech to a graduating group of students in America, and this is what he said in it. Because here's something else that's weird but true. In the day-to-day -day trenches of adult life, there's actually no such thing as atheism. There is no such thing as not worshipping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. <clears throat> now, he wasn't a Christian. In fact, he didn't have any faith as far as I can see. But as he watched people, as he analysed them, he saw that everybody worships. Or to put it in another way, that everybody um, is thirsty. We have desires, and these desires, they drive us, don't they? Our thirst is not quenched, and so we run after things, trying to find um, something that will quench us. <clears throat> so the question for us this morning is, kind of, what are you thirsty um, for? What do you long for? Is it success? Is it money? Is it sex? Is it security? Is it an adrenaline rush? Is it respect? Is it escape? Is it family? What is it that you kind of chase after? But the problem is, isn't it, that these things, they just don't deliver. They maybe they give us a high for a moment, but the low comes soon after. And so we seek more, we throw ourselves further in, but again and again, we're never satisfied. In his speech, David Foster Wallace went on and said this, pretty much anything you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, if they're where you tap real meaning in life, then you'll never have enough, never feel you have enough. It's the truth. Worship your body and beauty and sexual allure and you'll always feel ugly. And when the time and age start showing, you'll die a million deaths before they finally grieve you. Worship power and you'll end up feeling weak and afraid and you'll need ever more power over others to numb you to your own fear. Worship your intellect being seen as smart and you'll end up feeling a fraud, stupid, always on the verge of being found out. <clears throat> he saw the problem, he saw the problem really clearly, didn't he? The problem was he couldn't see any solution. He was never satisfied. And sadly, he committed suicide at the age 46. His thirst ate him alive. And this morning, we're thinking about being thirsty, thinking about what do we thirst after? Where do we try and tap meaning in life? What's our purpose for living? Our story in John's Gospel um, is going to show us an end um, to all thirsting. It's going to show us where lasting satisfaction um, can be found. Why don't I pray that God would meet with us this morning? Father God, we thank you so much for sending Jesus into our world. And we pray as we look now that you would show us more of him, that we might be satisfied in him. Amen. <clears throat> so our story begins and we're introduced to a woman. Um, 
Let's look at verse 7. That when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? So Jesus meets a Samaritan woman. And um, her claim to fame is that she, was, she is one of the largest women um, in the Bible because John tells us that she was a woman um, of some area. That's a really bad joke, sorry. I just felt like it was, a slightly, um, it was slightly, slightly heavy so far. So there you go, there's a bit of a lightener. Anyway, she's from Samaria. And Samaria is, um, was considered a really bad place by the Jewish people. So the Samaritans, they worshipped the Jewish God, but they also mixed that up with worshipping other gods from around the place. The Jewish people looked at them and thought, they're unclean, they're dirty. Um, so the Samaritans actually built a temple on Mount Gerizim, and the Jewish people invaded the land, um, destroyed the temple and burnt it down, because um, they saw it was not true worship. The Samaritans were kind of looked down as kind of like, you know, mudbloods. And um, a while ago, in chapter 3, the last chapter, we saw Nicodemus. And this Samaritan woman is a massive contrast to Nicodemus. So she's a Samaritan, but he, he was a Pharisee. He was the best of the best. People looked up to him. And if you like, I imagine um, the Samaritan woman and Nicodemus going to something like Crufts. So they, they enroll in Crufts. Imagine they're dogs. Okay? So um, Nicodemus, he is like a purebred corgi, and he's going to go on and win the competition. But the Samaritan woman, she's like, she's like a mongrel. She's like a Heinz 57 variety. You know, she's not even allowed in to the competition. She's just kicked out uh, before it even begins. And um, more than that, she's a Samaritan, but more than that, um, she's a woman. And um, the disciples don't think she is worth anything. So when they come on the scene, look what they say in verse 27. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked him, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? So they think she's a nobody. They think Jesus shouldn't be interested um, in her. And worse still... Um, we find out in the story that she is actually um, deeply broken. She's a deeply broken woman. So I'll read from verse 16. Jesus told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you've said um, is quite true. So her sexual history runs um, for many pages. And we're not told the details um, of it here. It is likely that she has been a victim of male abuse um, in the past. Men have used her and then discarded her and moved on. Certainly the man that she is now with won't do the honourable thing um, and marry her. I suppose as well it, it may well be likely that she has done something in the past there is some sin in her as well, which has led to this relational um, difficulties. But whatever has happened, it is clear for all to see that she is thirsty and she's thirsty for men, but men have been unable um, to satisfy her. But here she meets somebody, she meets somebody different. We've looked at the woman, now let's look at Jesus, um, the seeker. Verse 4, Jesus, now Jesus had to go through Samaria. It's interesting, isn't it? Why? He had to go there. Why did he have to go there? What was he seeking? Let's read on. 
verse 5. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. <coughs> so he comes to a well, and it's actually, this is Jacob's well. And many, many years ago in the Old Testament, um, Jacob had a significant history with wells. So his dad, met, his dad found his mum at a well. Jacob himself, he met his wife, Rachel, at a well. A bit later, Moses meets his future wife, Zipporah, at a well. And so we're left thinking, who is Jesus going to meet um, at this well? Well, look, verse 6, verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Now, I love this because Jesus asks her for a drink, doesn't he? Um, but I think it's a bit like, you know, if you've had a great weekend and you want to talk to somebody about it, you kind of know that you can't just go up to someone and say, let me tell you all about this amazing weekend I've had. You kind of, you know, you've got to do the socially polite thing and you've got to ask them a question. So you say, have you had a good weekend? Hoping that they're going to ask you about your weekend afterwards. And, and that's what Jesus does here. He's not interested in any water that she can provide. Um, what he wants to do is he wants to offer her um, living water. So verse 10, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Water that can satisfy, water that quenches um, thirst. Jesus talks more about it, verse 13. Jesus answered, everybody who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So Jesus has come here to this well to offer this woman living water. He's come to this woman to offer her um, eternal life. A life being alive to God. A life knowing him. Of walking with God through the ups um, and downs of life. A life of rejoicing in God. A life of finding satisfaction. Um, in him. Jesus wants this woman to join him forever in heaven. Jesus is seeking this woman. Look at verse 23. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. The Father is seeking worshippers. True worshippers, those who will worship him in the spirit and truth. And Jesus is seeking this Mongol. He's seeking this Samaritan woman. He's seeking this outcast. He is seeking this sinful, broken, thirsty woman. And this morning, Jesus is seeking you. Perhaps you are sexually broken. Perhaps in the past you've been abused at the hands of powerful men. Perhaps you are a social outcast. Perhaps you think that no one could ever be interested in you. Perhaps there's sin in your life that you are deeply ashamed about. Perhaps you think that God would have nothing nice to say about you. But here we see Jesus interested in you. Jesus pursues you. Jesus wants to satisfy you. He wants you to worship him in the spirit and in truth forever.
Now this is a contrast, isn't it? It's a big contrast to Nicodemus, that good boy. Nicodemus missed out on this. And I think that's because he thought God should be interested in him. He thought that he could satisfy God. He got things the wrong way round. And I think sometimes um, we can be similar, can't we? It may be that some here, you know, we think we've got our lives together more than this Samaritan woman. As we look at this passage, we think, well, what's in it for us? But the Samaritan woman is an example for us um, as well. In reality, we're all broken. We're all sinful. And the way to enjoy Jesus um, is to receive from him. It is to bring our thirst to him. To feel it. Feel our thirst and take it to him. Rather than to smother it with you know, being busy um, or trying to satisfy God with our good works. But Jesus here, <clears throat> he's pursued the woman. He's pursued the woman to her own country. He's gone to the local singles bar, to the well, and he's offered her living water. And so the big question for us is, well, how is she going to respond? How will the story um, end? And we see a massively changed woman. Look at verse 28. Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? She leaves her water jar. It's a beautiful detail, isn't it? She brought her jar because she wanted that day's water. She came to the well wanting just water for one more day. But soon that's been forgotten. The jar lies off to her side, discarded, useless, because she's had her deeper thirst quenched. She's met Jesus. She's found the one. She's found the one all her life she's been thirsting for. She's found the one who completes her, who heals her brokenness. She's found the one who gives her value and loves her. And if we remember her sexual history, if we remember that there were five husbands weren't there, and then there was one man who wasn't a husband. Together that makes six. Here is Jesus. Jesus number seven. Seven being the number of completion. Jesus is the last man. She needs nothing more. She is drunken. His living water. She's been reborn by the Holy Spirit. She is satisfied. And so the question for us that we're thinking about this morning is, what are we thirsty after? Because Jesus can satisfy. Is it success? Well, what greater achievement is there in life than being able to live forever? What greater social climb can there be in life than becoming a child of the King of the Universe? Do you thirst after money? Well, our Heavenly Father owns the cattle on a thousand hills and we will inherit it all. Do you search after popularity? Because there is one who sits on the throne of the universe and he's not ashamed of us, but calls us his brother or his sister. Who cares what others think of us? Do you thirst after security? Our Heavenly Father, he holds us 
in his hands. Night and day he watches over us and he's promised only good for us. Do you thirst after an adrenaline rush? Well, here's a God who we can take risks for and see what happens, knowing that he always has our back. Do you thirst after respect? Well, one day, Jesus will return to judge the world, and he says that his followers will judge the world with him. If you are a follower of Jesus, one day people will bow before you. Jesus can satisfy. He can satisfy us in ways um, deeper than anything else in this world, just like he satisfied the woman. And the amazing thing here is that she leaves the jar and she goes back to her town. Now there's a detail that I missed off earlier and that detail was the woman comes to collect water at midday. Normally women would come in groups and normally they'd go in the morning before the sun was hot. But she comes in midday. Why does she do that? Well it looks like she doesn't want to bump into anyone. She's tired of their whispering. She's tired of their comments. She's tired of their pointing. She was a social outcast. But now she goes back to that town, back to the people who look down on her, and she says, verse 29, Come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? No more does she want to hide from their stares. No more does she try and cover up her history. No more does she worry what they think of her. But she comes out into the light. Come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? Jesus knows everything about her. He knows the worst things about her. And still he's pursued her. And for the first time in her life, she's found lasting satisfaction. So she boldly goes and tells the people, come and see Jesus. Come and see the man who knows me to the basement and is not repulsed, but loves me anyway. Come and see God, God who's come into our world not to condemn us, but to save us. Come and see the God who comes not to look down on us, but to lift us up. Come and see the one whose heart moves out to you in your brokenness and pain. And she strikes a chord. Her hearers want what she has. Verse 30, they came out of the town and made their way towards him. And then the woman fades into the background. Like John the Baptist, she's led people to Jesus and they stop listening to her and they start listening to Jesus. Verse 40. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. The woman, she brings her town um, to Jesus, and many believe, many saw Jesus as the one who could quench um, their thirst. Jesus came to seek this woman. Jesus came to seek this town. And Jesus is still seeking um, worshippers today. There are thousands of people in Chorley, aren't they? Thousands of people who are thirsty. And it's tempting to think, it's so hard for somebody to start to become a Christian these days. We live in a post-Christian world or post-Christian country. Our culture is so hostile 
to Christianity. And that's what the disciples here thought. They thought, oh, those dirty Samaritans, they'll never want to know about the saviour of the world. So they go into a Samaritan town and they are seeking to buy bread. While all the while Jesus is sitting at the well, seeking to give living water. The disciples, they're focused on getting lunch for Jesus. Jesus is focused on giving life to the world. Look at verse 35. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. The fields are ripe for harvest. Jesus is still seeking worshippers. He's still pursuing um, people. He's still seeking to satisfy. Why don't we pray um, that he would seek people here in Chorley? Why don't we pray that we would enter into his work? Why don't we pray that we might be bold to go out and tell people about the living water that's found in Jesus? Why don't I pray for us and then we'll pop some questions on the screen um, and we'll have a moment to think about them. But let me pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the Lord Jesus. We thank you that he can satisfy. And we pray that this week we would go to him with our thirsts and we would point others to him. Amen. A couple of minutes on your own or chat about these questions with a person next to you and then um, Phil will kick us off with some, the next song. Thank you.